Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 24 of Tell Me What You Know. Good age. Jack Bauer. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Boom. Boom. I never really watched Boom. 24. What? I know. I need to go back and rewatch that. The first few seasons were incredible. Yeah. So it was good. back when TV had to be 24 episodes, too. Oh, is that right? Yeah. Like, like, is that what the standard was? Yeah, it was like, uh, yeah, we need 24 episodes. Yeah. And then, and then you know, it got much better, higher production value. And then they're like, all right, you only give us 10, yeah, 12. Yeah, cool concept in the time as well. Each, yeah. each hour was in real time. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but you know, they were very simple. Like, they had yeah. the uh, situation room where they're figuring stuff out. And CTU. that was all the same yeah. every time. Yeah. I was able to pump it out. Yeah, about the content. Show. Alicia Cuthbert was in that show. I love Alicia Cuthbert. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. She's, she's, Jack's daughter. She's very talented. Kim Bauer, I believe is her name she's in the very show. Very talented. Very talented. Um, today is Tuesday, October 8th. Mm-hmm. 10-8. 10-8. Like we said, episode 24. A little bit of uh, housekeeping. I don't know if it's going to happen, happen this week or maybe next week just because of the holiday, but uh, we're going to start moving our release date from Fridays to Tuesdays going forward. Uh, I feel like that'll give you guys more time to listen to it during your work week. Uh, maybe you won't forget about us over the weekend. There you go. <laughs> so a little bit of a, a tactical move on our part, but also uh, we're it, with our recording schedule as well, I think it makes more sense to release earlier in the week. I have heard from people that they look forward to Friday, that they get it. Well, So maybe... We'll, you're we'll, you're going to we'll love see. Tuesdays. We'll see. Friday's yeah, got enough to look forward to. We're going to move that to Tuesday. Yeah. yeah. Um, other than that, I guess this morning was the first morning I woke up and it was a little bit crisp. A little cold. Yeah. I've switched, switched from iced coffee to a regular hot coffee. Oh. I know you're a year-round hot coffee guy. Yeah, I mean, that's what coffee is. It's hot. Whatever. I mean, cold's good, but hot's hot's even. That's the real flavor. Yeah. So I had my first cup of hot coffee in like six months today. (laughs) It was good. It was good. Our coffee shop is closing down. I know. Super sad. I've been going here for like eight or nine years. Yeah. I love it there. You should buy it. Java Shack. I should send the email just to know what the price is. Yeah. And then... All of our listeners out there, you want to crowdsource fund? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> crowdsource funding. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So uh, I don't have a, much more to talk about before we get into it. I think we kind of have, I have a bit of a longer topic, I think. Let's do it. All right. Heard, heard it's a good one. Uh, I, I always think my topics are good. Yeah. Um, jumping into this topic or, or, or getting into my research, I found out that it's way more technical and oh. then not, maybe not technical, but there's a lot more information there than. Not that I thought there was going to be. Of course, there's going to be a lot of information about this, but we're going to do a very surface level. Uh, well, if it's medical, we have uh, Sam Nelson as a call-in that's right. we can follow up with. Maybe he should switch Doctor, to this doc, Excuse me, Dr. Sam Nelson. That's right. God. Dr. Nelson. Uh, anyway, Michael, tell me what you know about hypnosis. Ooh. I really like this topic. <laughs> uh, I, I don't know that much about it. I'm always interested if I would be susceptible of being um, hypnotized. Yeah. Um, I'm always dubious of watching big crowds, you know, like maybe there's like a Ted talk out there. The guy gets like 10 people up on stage yeah. and, and gets some people hypnotized. Uh, but they do have people come up and they're like, Oh, you're not hypnotized. All right, go sit down. Like you're not, this isn't going to work for you. Um, but I think people are susceptible to it. I don't know much about it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure it's been happening for a very long time. So yeah, like I, I think it's hilarious. And now just thinking about it, how somebody found out that this is possible. Right. Uh, like the first person ever hypnotized, like they must have been thought they were like God or something. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, like I said, this is kind of a complicated subject. Yeah. Uh, I'm by no means an expert, but I'm I did, sure I did learn deep. a lot, I feel like. Uh-huh. Um, so it, hypnosis is scientifically verified. Okay. Uh, 
I guess depending on the person, how skeptical they are, or would be you know determining of, of how receptive they are to it as well. Right? Okay. Uh, but it's an effective technique that can promote uh, human change at like an accelerated pace, right? So you can lose weight, you can quit smoking. This is more of the medical side of it. There's also the stage hypnos- uh, hypnosis that you talked about earlier as well, which okay. is more of an entertainment value type thing. Oh, okay. But so you can help people lose weight, quit smoking, uh, heal physical pain, that kind of thing, right? So it like can help you rewire the way you think? or Sure. Okay. Exactly. Okay. Um, the creation of the concept can be traced back to the 18th century healer named Franz, uh, Franz, Franz Anton Mesmer, who was alive from 1734 to 1815. Is that why it's mesmerized? Mesmerism. Mesmerized. Mesmerism. Oh, right. Exactly. Cool. Yeah. Um, so he, he had this deep interest in like the direct influence of heavenly bodies on human health. Uh, and at the time, I guess, and even now they're believed to be like a measurable physical force. Maybe not so much now, but definitely before, right? Okay. Um, So mesmerism is similar to hypnosis, but it's not the same thing. Uh, It uses mainly nonverbal actions to instate uh, trance into a person, right? So you use a gaze or uh, like fascination of something or like uh, they call them uh, passes, so like strokes, I guess. Okay. And I'm I'm stroking right now. Uh, uh, (laughs) Yeah. Like what's the, I think it's Star Wars, like go away. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah. You you will let me that's pass. right that's yeah. right that kind of thing uh-huh. uh, it was super popular both uh, for spiritual religious and scientific folks to practice and to study but also for the dramatic form of entertainment that I brought around as well right okay so the word go ahead uh, quick question is that almost the same thing as like uh, you ever seen the Manchurian Candidate or where there's like a there's a trigger like right you, like a maybe a song or something would so, that be included in that. Yeah, and it's kind of like uh, like I was gonna get to this later. Well, so we'll get to that later. Okay. But, but sensory induced hypnosis, Sense- right? So okay. like maybe if you've been brainwashed and like you hear the, the trigger and right. now you go and you assassinate something. Right? Zach, <laughs> Zach, put a, a song in the radio. Right. Exactly. Say by the bell. There you go. Um, so the word hypnosis comes from the Greek uh, from Greek mythology. Hypnos was the personification of sleep. Okay. And so Surgeon uh, James Braid from the UK coined the term in the early 1800s. And he kind of defined hypnotism as a state of extreme focus. We'll get to that a little bit later on as well. Um, but now there's kind of, there's modern hypnosis and there's mesmerism. And they, they differ uh, because mesmerism is like primarily achieved through the spoken word. Um, where, and so, but there are some similar elements, right? So um, like when a hypnotist uses these unseen forces to instate trance uh, and like overpower a client's energy field, this drops their consciousness to lower levels of trance, and they're able to to kind of so they like become more accepting or more open minded, right? In, in the unconscious, I believe, right? The, right, right. So their conscious mind is kind of at ease, and the unconscious is, is kind of willing, willfully following along. Uh-huh. Um, hmm. There's a bit of a rift between those that use it for medical treatment and those who use it as a tool for entertainment and spiritual fulfillment. Obviously, there's a split between the two. Um, but then within modern hypnosis, or, or sorry. We get away from mesmerism. You look at hypnosis. There's modern hypnosis. There's tra- traditional hypnosis. So I'm going to try and define these as best I can for you. But when you see, uh, so for traditional, like when you see a stage hypnotist telling their subject, you know, you'll feel completely relaxed. You know, go deeper, deeper, uh, deeper. office space, deep. Right. So that's that's more traditional hypnosis. It's very direct. Uh-huh. Uh, it's about telling the client like what to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the premise being is that you can un- instruct the unconscious mind, and it'll follow your your directions. Okay. Right. If you're more open or more uh, like less skeptical about it, then it's maybe it's called a, a non-deceptive placebo because you're 
you know, you're, you're willing to let, to like give this a try. Right. So the, the client strongly believes that it'll work. They're more willing. They're more, they have less barriers, less of a guard up, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, the, I guess a lot of, uh, what's the word? A lot of scholars. <laughs> I have so many fucking words on my yeah, paper yeah, yeah. right now. That You're just, dealing with yeah. a lot of crap. Man. Right. So a lot of scholars think that, uh, that, that there's a lot lower success rate for this, about 30%. Uh, so therefore, there's a higher relapse rate as well. Because okay. I think the, I, would, I would imagine it's that people maybe have, some, have like some maybe unconscious skepticism about it. And so they don't really buy into it. It's like, I want to believe this, but right. deep down, I really don't. Believe so that's the, that's uh-huh. the traditional saying, you know, you're directing them what to do. The mm-hmm. modern, also known as Ericksonian hypnosis. So it was named after Dr. Milton Erickson, who was an American psychiatrist and, and psychologist. And he used indirect hypnosis. So it's more of a suggestion that could result in a therapeutic behavioral change. Hmm. So like, whereas Braid was saying, you know, hyp- hypnotism was extreme focus. Erickson disagreed saying folks in pain wouldn't be able to focus, Right. They'd, they'd have like more, they'd, they'd be more they'd be distracted. focused on the pain. Or, right. They'd right. be more distracted by things. So he believed that uh, instead of like an extreme focus, that these were like states of trance. So, so do you have an example of what an in, indirect? Yes. Yes. What is? But so let's, let's talk about trance for a second. Though. Okay. So the, you know, every, they happen every day. You, your mind wanders. You mm. kind of fade out. When you're running, you get a runner's high. Yeah. That kind of thing, right? Yeah. Like, um, yeah. It's like a daydream. Right. Yeah. So even in, in like a state of trance, like the unconscious mind could still be listening. So if you look at the traditional approach, it's authoritative, it's direct. There's, it's met with resistance. It's me getting you into an unconscious or into a, a, a trance like state and saying you will lose weight. Mm-hmm. The other one, Erickson's approach was more permissive and indirect and it's more accommodating. Right. So you would say something like, uh, you might wish to discuss the alternatives to eating if you're ready to do so. Okay. And that kind of gets them. Oh, <laughs> So well, there's almost unconsciously like a, thinking of how to like change their right, and their also habits, there's like a uh, like when I just heard you say that it's sort of like okay, let's let's talk about it right. then. I'm Maybe kind of intrigued. Right, you're you're more open to, to yeah. look at that kind of thing, right? Because I feel like I'm making the decision, right? Right, and so mm-hmm. from from what I've read, that there's more uh, a higher success rate with that approach. Um, a couple guys, Richard Bander and John Grinder, they set out to discover what made certain psychotherapists more successful than others. Bander and, so, and grinder. <laughs> bander and grinder. Yeah. yeah. Could have been Tinder and grinder. And, Could have yeah. been Bander. And they and so uh Milton Erickson was a the guy that they talked to about it and they ended up formulating the Milton model. And so this is often taught uh to neuro like it's like as like an add-on to a neurolinguistic programming course. Like uh, NLP was the abbreviation they used. And I guess that's taught in a lot of different like anybody that has an NLP uh Part of the, part of their education program could potentially teach this as well, right? So okay. there are like higher learning, higher education places that will teach these non linguistic programming techniques. Hmm. Um, and so the 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 Milton model was basically had like three tenets, right? It was building rapport, so you're going to build the connection with your client. You overload the conscious attention, so you distract the conscious mind with vagueness, and you uh, you open the unconscious. Okay. And then there's indirect communication. So whereas from the other method. Direct orders are met one of two ways, acceptance or dismissal. Indirect is more subtle and kind of a more successful way to invoke change. This is what they argue, right? So that's kind of the rundown of uh, hypnosis and, and mesmerism mm-hmm. from more of a medical standpoint, I guess, right? Mm-hmm. More of a, a healing type standpoint. There's obviously there's stage hypnosis as well, which you see usually has a comedy aspect to it. 
uh, performed in front of an audience for entertainment purposes. Um, it's, Could I ask one question yeah. about the uh, medical aspect? Sure. Um, I would, I would think that it would be very effective if you are susceptible to mesmer or um, hypnosis, right? Uh, to have this sort of treatment. Mm -hmm. Did you read anything or find anything about like? Does it work for a week, two weeks, and and then it sort of starts to fade, and maybe it's not as effective? Or uh, so do you have to like keep doing this and working with the same? Yeah, I don't know about if you have to have like extra like additional treatments or like a constant stream of treatments. Yeah. Uh, I know that Erickson himself apparently suffered from polio, huh. uh, and and used this to kind of combat the pain to that cope. he was feeling. Right, exactly. Because in, in, I'm thinking in office space, and he, you know, the the therapist dies, you know. Right. And then he's left in that trance. Yeah. And it slowly fades. Now, obviously, this is a movie. But, right. um, yeah, it's like, I, I bet after a few weeks or a month, it would probably just fade into something else. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think it's hmm. uh, for, for different types of, of, I guess, for pain treatment, uh, maybe you would need it more often. Mm -hmm. uh, for, you know, weight loss or for quitting smoking, it's more of a it change your behavior. Yeah. The wires are being you know, crossed in your subconscious and yeah. you're not even aware of it. And then it's just like something you don't want to do anymore. Right. I mean, I've heard of people who have been hypnotized and are just dis heavy smokers are disgusted by cigarettes after this kind of stuff. Right. <sighs> yeah. I mean, it's stuff you read online. I don't know anybody personally. I was uh, going to say, I would love to meet somebody who, uh, yeah. yeah, I was doing this and then I got hypnotized I, and I've I heard, never did it again. I've heard that acupuncture can have the same kind of effect as well. Huh. Uh, and I'm, and I, I imagine you need multiple treatments for that kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. Uh, cause people that go to acupuncture seem to go off a lot. Yeah. Uh, anyway, back to stage hypnosis. Uh, like we said, perform in front of an audience, comedic for entertainment value. They get the amnesia, the hallucination, right? You forgot what happened. They make you quack like a duck. Quack like a duck. That kind of thing. Yep. Um, so I was just thinking of like some times or like some moments where I've witnessed this before. And uh, like Howard Stern, he had one of his guys, Sal, he had him get hypnotized on the show one time. And uh, he like, it's another thing like unless it happens to me i don't know if i actually believe right, it but it's right. so convincing right uh they told sal that his uh his wiener was just gone and <laughs> sal freaks out for like half an hour yeah like, oh my cock is gone like yeah. freaking out uh and then they you know he snaps back into it and he's like obviously disheveled uh but it's okay because he can see that it's did, not gone did he have memory of the time when he was hypnotized he was like oh my god i'm, I'm glad it wasn't he true. sounded exasperated when he came out, like he had gone through something. something yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. And then the other one, which you had talked about, kind of like the Manchurian candidate, uh -huh. I was thinking more along the, the naked gun with Reggie yeah. Jackson. Yeah. I must kill the queen. Same. You're talking about the, the spoofer. <laughs> right. The exactly. Candidate. Yeah. <laughs> the sensory induced hypnosis for, yeah. for Reggie Jackson yeah. there. Uh, great movie, The Naked Gun. Yeah. Uh, I just wanted to end it. I mean, you've kind of already touched on it, but. I'm kind of skeptical of it. I, I'm, I'm the type of skeptic that unless some, unless I experience it firsthand, it's hard for me to fully buy into it. Yeah. Um, and I've never been to one of these shows that they ask people to come up on stage and then they right. do this. Um, right. But I keep hearing about people that go and they come out of it and they're like, wow, that was amazing. Yeah. Like, people were people were doing it. Because I kind of thought, oh, they must, you know, it's like a magic trick. So right. they might pull eight people away and be like, do you want to do this? Will you? Are you willing to go quack like a duck and yeah. all that stuff? And I, that's sort of seemed more likely right because um, even in, in terms of the medical aspect you're sitting you're very focused you're 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 really trying to, to change mm -hmm. you're you're a willing participant whereas right. this other thing is i'm in this this is just a fun thing i'm doing tonight or, or you know whatever i'm at a company retreat and i'm gonna quack like a duck exactly um and it just kind of seems like you just don't care so might as well just kind of go have fun and be 
act like I'm in a trance. Uh, but maybe, maybe it's real. Well, you know, I had mentioned that I wanted to get somebody to come on the show. Yeah. <laughs> and I've been looking up. There are some uh, like entertainment hypnotists in the area. Uh, one in Alexandria, a couple in Baltimore. Would he come to a show for two people? I don't know. I mean, we, there's a request a free quote button I'm looking at right now. So I'm getting ready to click that and see what happens. Uh, well, that would be, be an excellent follow-up. Yeah. Um, You'd well, be the one to be hypnotized. I do you know if, you, if you'd be susceptible? Like, do you have any... Well, I mean, just by, I mean, from, from all the, all the research I've done, you know, uh, being a bit skeptical is obviously makes it harder. Right. Right. Um, but I would like to think that I could go into it fully committed to, to getting hypnotized. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of scary. I'm kind of scared. Well. I'm just thinking about like, I'll be kind of completely out of control. You're out of control. You're in somebody else's control, somebody else's hands. Yeah. yeah I don't know if I'd like it. And I keep thinking of, uh, I don't even like riding in the car. I like to drive. I keep thinking of the, uh, Jordan Peele movie now. Uh, oh man! Out. Oh oh! When she's doing the, yeah. the spoon With around the, the cup, yeah, Ooh. and then he just plunges. Yeah, he falls. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's a scary part, man. Yeah, and it's, all, it's and also he's great just, how he's it's paralyzed as well. I love how I love how his consciousness kind of ends up looking like a movie screen. Yeah, like he's sitting in a movie theater. Right. I thought that was that was a cool movie. Yeah, it was a good movie. Yeah. All right. Uh, well, that's a crash course on hypnosis. Yeah, that's uh, a good topic. I funny. I kind of have a topic that's somewhat. It's related in some ways in terms of why people are doing stuff. Okay. <laughs> why, why, why people do what they do. Um, do you have anything else to add on that? I didn't want to cut you off. Uh, no, I don't think so. I think that's it. I'm looking at the, uh, these. How much does it cost? Or I mean, obviously, there, you got to request the free quote. Yeah. Uh, let's see. Breadcrumb us oh. down the. Oh, this guy's got to. <laughs> Please do not contact me if your event does not have a budget to support my minimum of $1,500. Oh, man. Get out of here, Sonny Nardone. I oh. mean, bleep that out. Bleep that out. We're not saying <laughs> yeah. that guy's name. Yep. No free publicity. <laughs> we got 1400 That's right. Sorry, man. Sorry. Won't, won't, won't but get I mean, out of bed in the morning. I mean, look at this guy. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> See, I wouldn't be hypnotized by that guy. I would look at him like he's a crazy person. Oh, All right. Um, I don't know how I thought of this topic. Um, I thought... I thought something about the movie Captain Phillips uh-huh. uh, that when we were down in Chattanooga that okay. was actually something that I mis- misremembered. <laughs> uh, but I think it's a good topic anyways. Michael, tell me what you know about hostage situations and hostage <laughs> negotiation. Uh, well, we don't negotiate with terrorists. That is the U.S. stance. That's right. We don't we are very uh, rigid? But I don't know if that's the same with hostage. Negotiations. No, it, it is. Uh, There's basically hostage hostage negotiation. Like yeah. like you were sending in a negotiator. Okay. Uh, and we'll, there are multiple scenarios where this comes up. Yeah. Um, and we'll go into them. So yeah, a terrorist is is a form of a situation yeah. where you need a hostage negotiator. Sure. Um. Uh, they usually don't end well for one or one or two parties, or either or all of them. They're, I, I would imagine the statistics are they're pretty, not, pretty bad. They're not situations that are in, that do end up well for the for the criminal because yeah. you're well, f- yourself I, in a corner. Yeah, ideally for the criminal, they don't end well. But I would imagine the hostages a lot of times. You know, uh, so a lot of what my research came from was this one guy who's a British negotiator. Okay, and he was talking to a big group of um, like trainees. Okay, and. Um, he actually said that a lot of times, very very few end up, very few types of situations end up in bad results. Like they only had, they have like 180 
situations every year in the UK that require a negotiator. Yeah. Uh, and really only one person had, had died in like five years. Oh, wow. Yeah. Okay. Um, so it might not be as bad Hostage as you think. Hostage is the... Hostage, yes. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, it might not be as high as you think. Okay. Well, tell me more. I don't know. I mean, I don't know a whole lot about it other than... Uh, yeah. yeah I, I just, I'm just picturing, so, you know, a line of cop cars outside of a house with all their guns drawn. And right, then, and then right. one guy going up to the door. Well, I mean, to, like, it's negotiate. such a it's such an interesting situation, right? I mean, yeah. you're it's it's very captivating, and, mm-hmm. and from a like an entertainment perspective, there it's it's extremely interesting. Sure. You've got a lot of interesting people um, that want different things out of the situation, and you're it's Mexican standoff style, yeah. right? So it's like really hard to figure out how you go about this process. Um, it does go back, of you know, forever, really. I mean, I'm taking something from you for many reasons. Um, there was, I think, the, the main one that keeps coming up in, in the Greek era is uh, Polybius, the oh. son of an em, eminent Greek governor, uh, was one of uh, a thousand nobles who in 168 BC were transported to Rome as hostages and detained there for 17 years. So yeah. oftentimes in the old, old time, there was, it was more like to end a war, you have to give us something as as collateral yeah right so and we're not going to kill these people they'll live fine but they're with us and like if you don't honor this we will kill them yeah so it it was more um there's a little bit more faith involved i'm mostly going to focus on modern day negotiation which i kind of find is interesting started in the 1970s Hmm. uh like the fbi really became like oh we're going to have a formal department making like a profession exactly and then a bunch of of situations kind of came up after that like the 1980 uh like the iranian hostage crisis you know where you so how do you deal with that situation it's really hard um but uh Modern, modern history of hostage negotiation or arbitration. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it's sort of where arbitrators and negotiators are kind of seen as, as two same people. Um, or like two, they, they rely on the same um, theory, essentially. And it mostly stems from Aristotle, uh, ethos, pathos, and logos. Mm. So ethos, the speaker's success conveying to the audience that he can be trusted. So I'm a negotiator. You're a hostage taker. Yeah. Trust me, please. Like... Right. Uh, pathos, uh, the emotions that the speaker awakes in the audience to accept the views advanced uh, and to act in accordance with them. So let's just lay the ground rules and make sure we're, we're like abiding by the same uh, you know, laws, essentially. Because yeah. if you don't believe in like murder, then I can't really stop you from murdering your hostages, right? Well, um, they want something in return typically, right? So that's the only thing. I'm sure they don't care about situa- this person's life. It depends on how the situation arose. Hmm. Um, so, and then you have logos, the truth and logical validity of what is being argued becoming self-evident. So like, hey, we've agreed that's on a these. sentence I would have to read 18 times right. to understand what you just said. I'm going to explain. <laughs> hey, we just agreed on these rules in pathos. Yeah. And now what you're doing is in direct violation of those rules. And therefore, like what you're doing is wrong. So stop it. Give us the hostages and, you know, come true to your consequences. You're being pretty not pathos right now. Yeah. You're so <laughs> unpathos. Um, but yeah, so in the 1970s, um, one of the first events then was um, uh, four bank robbers mm-hmm. in Stockholm, Sweden, uh, took uh, hostages. And afterwards, um, this, the hostages wouldn't testify about the robbers about the the yeah about yeah. the robbers yeah uh that's where we get stockholm syndrome ah. so you you start 
believing or you start um, you know, protecting and sympathizing yeah. with your hostage taker. Right. Uh, in fact, it was in 1974, there was a U.S. bank robbery where uh, Patty Hearst, you know, the Hearst Foundation, the Hearst, the Hearst family, billionaires, she was taken and uh, she actually helped the group get away. And so then they charged her and her defense was, I had Stockholm syndrome. Yeah. And she got off of it. Yeah. Uh, how long, do you know how long that, that Swedish bank standoff took? How long the hostages were with their captors? Um, Cause my, maybe I just have a bad misunderstanding of Stockholm syndrome, but it's, I always thought it was like you're around them for so long that you start. So, um, but I guess we can go into a little bit be. more about that. So there are four key components that characterize Stockholm syndrome, a hostage's development of positive feelings towards the captors, mm. uh, no previous relationship between the hostage or the captor, right, right, right. uh, a refusal by hostages to cooperate with police and other go- government authorities, Naturally. a hostage's belief in the humanity of the captor. Right. So they, they like see humanity. So, so but, right, um, exactly. But what, like the, to me, thinking about it logically, that would take more than, you know, a couple hours to develop in most people, I feel like. So, uh, so Law enforcement bulletin indicates that roughly 8% of victims can show Stockholm syndrome. Hmm. So it's a small percentage. Right. Less than one in 10. Because okay. to your point, like, he's keeping me. Like, fuck this guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You yeah. know? But I think I can kind of see it. Like, um, you know, if you're, like, you start seeing somebody's humanity in terms of, like, why they're doing this. Like, man, I really kind of now start seeing where you're coming from in terms of why you need this money. And, like, it's wrong, but. Or like, man, my captor's kind of a babe. Well, so yeah, then I think you'd be susceptible to Stockholm <laughs> syndrome, especially yeah, it's four hot, see a four hot ring. robbers. <laughs> yeah, um, this is a good way to meet people. Yeah, um, but yeah, Patty Hearst got off of it, start, start I thought, which I found so interesting. Like, like wow, this defense was was honored as you were under the you were under Stockholm syndrome. Yeah, kind of crazy. Yeah, all right. So negotiators fall into two broad categories, All right. uh, and each brings with it its own difficulties. Negotiating, meaning like the types of situations. Okay. So the first are covert negotiation. This is where uh, maybe somebody is rich, maybe in like, this happens a lot in South America, somebody is rich and they, they take a daughter and now they've, I, you, there's a ransom, mm-hmm. right? So, and they're like, do not call the police. Right. So obviously the person calls the police and yes. the police come and now they're, they need to stay covert. Mm-hmm. So that's the first type of situation. Um, one thing I found interesting here is that the language they use is in terms of who is the victim in this situation. Is it the person that was taken? And the, the police don't see it as that. They see the victim as the person being put under the gun to pay. Mm. So they're yeah. the victim. I mean, yeah. it, I get that to, a, to an extent. I just found that to be an interesting distinction. So they're both victims in my eyes. Yeah. yeah, no, they definitely yeah. are. Um, oh, this is oh, yeah. also my notes. Um, the bank manager whose wife and family may be held hostage, like maybe separate. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we refer to that as a tiger kidnap. Kind of interesting. The second type of negotiations are are those where the police are known to be there. <laughs> okay. Okay. Right. Uh, obviously, so Gun, these guns are drawn, cars outside the house, barricades, yeah. suicide intervention, yeah. and hostage taking. Right. Because sometimes and snipers, might, snipers there, but sometimes you might have an altercation that somehow ends up a hostage situation. So the person going into it did not intend to fully be in the situation, and now are like trying to figure out what to do. Mm-hmm. They're in like a manic sense, right? They didn't. Yeah. They didn't mean to do this, but things escalated, and now all of a sudden this is happening. Uh, I think this is probably the, the the vast majority of them. I don't okay. think people go in thinking because your point, it's a difficult situation to win. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was I'll, I'll jump to a successful one later. Okay. Um, yeah. So barricade, suicide intervention, hostage taking. 
so hostage takers fall into three categories that they colloquially firm, refer to as mad, bad, and sad. So mad are like criminals. Or, excuse me. Mad are terrorists, people that have like an agenda. Mm-hmm. They're mad about um, the U.S. bombing something, so we're going to, you know, yeah. take over something. Gotcha. Bad are criminals, bank robbers, trying to do that. Sad are like the suicide interventions, the suicide things. Maybe, maybe even they've got a hostage and they're, so they're, they're committing suicide, but they're going to do it with this person and... You're not really sure why they're doing it with this person. They're, they're or, kind of, well, so could if it's, if it's just one person, is that considered a hostage situation? Like if they're like, I'm in here, I'm gonna, you know. Yeah, if you have one person, it could be I'm gonna hold, I'm gonna host, I'm gonna hold my wife hostage. No, 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 like I'm holding myself. Like not, they don't oh, say yeah. that, but it's like, I'm, like I'm not, I'm gonna do this. This would be I, I'm calling in a negotiator yeah. to talk somebody off the right. ledge, right, right, right. right? Yeah, yeah. And that has an that that is really interesting part of this too. Yeah. All right. So, um, mad, bad, and sad, and sad. Now let's talk about the negotiation team. Mm-hmm. The negotiation team is separate, fully, fully separate from the tactical police. They call in and they, they don't even speak to each other. Like the, the, the negotiator and like the, the chief of police there is like, all right, screw this. The negotiators failed. Like we're going in, that kind of thing. Like they have no control. So there's three people on the negotiation team. Mm-hmm. There's the person doing the negotiation. There's a support person of the person doing the negotiation. This person can also inter, like liaise with intermediaries, which could be, um, hey, the person inside is uh, you know a man and he's got a wife, and we've figured out that uh, the wife might be able to talk this person down. So they'll intermediate between the wife and this, and you know deliver them to the negotiator, and the negotiator will put them on the phone. Yeah. Uh, the negotiator kind of needs to figure out if that could escalate things or de-escalate things, and that's a part of this as well. Uh, and then there's an intelligent intelligence negotiator. The intelligence negotiator is doing background research on what they found out about the person taking the hostages. Okay. So this could be like, hey, we just found out that this guy lost his job or his wife just left him or something. Has these mental instabilities. Yes, exactly. That's basically what you're trying to figure out. Yeah. Um, so go f- track down the wife, third person, and then bring it back here. The third person can liaise with the tactical team. Mm-hmm. That's the only connection okay. that they have. They also, these three roles can rotate. Say I'm the negotiator and I'm have like, I'm just not getting along with this guy or this one. We can switch (laughs) and maybe you can have a better chance of building rapport. Like I can't talk to this guy. So it's not like, it's not like, uh, (laughs) it's not like an umpire crew. It's like, oh, Friday night I was home plate. I'm I'm third base umpire tonight. Uh, I'm not, (laughs) I'm not sure. I think they probably are lead negotiators and like, oh, I'm a support guy. I'm better at like, they can rotate the moment. (laughs) Yeah. Gotcha. Um, but yeah, they can rotate in the moment. Um, all right. So police have certain options. Mm -hmm. They have three main options. They have the the option to overpower the hostage taker with firepower or use a sniper. Third, second option is use chemical agents to flush the people out. Tear gas. Tear gas. uh, Or you contain the area and bring in a trained negotiator. In almost all cases, they go with, with number three first and, and then go down the line. Um, a hostage obviously has three options on their end too. They have kill the hostages and then themselves. Like usually there's some suicide involved. Mm-hmm. Uh, negotiate an escape route. This is like, I want a million dollars in a helicopter. Plane. Yeah. <laughs> which, uh, which always seemed like the dumbest thing in the world to me. Right. Cause like, where the hell are you going to go? Right. Aren't they just going to keep following you? Maybe you'll, maybe you'll tell me about a success story later. I don't know. Uh, and then the third option they have is uh, the intelligence surrender, officer. Surrender the police. Sorry, yes, yeah, surrender the police. The intelligence officer is like, 
bad news, guys. This guy's a trained pilot. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what I figured out, he's logged 3,000 hours we on a DC-9. That's right. Yeah. Um, I want to make. I want to go back to one thing I kind of forgot. Uh, hold on one second. They have a certain hierarchy of of um, their priorities of his negotiator. So um, this could be like they have this number one priority is safe recovery of the hostages. Yeah. Obviously. Number two is safety of the staff involved. That can include the police, include everybody. Uh, recovery of evidence is number three. And the fourth would be recovery of the ransom. So if you're a rich guy and you've paid it, that's like not on there. That's not high on their list. Like if the if, if the if the money goes to the right, it's wired just somewhere. Go to the left. You're following to the left. Like you're yeah. screwed. You're out of it. Found that interesting. Well, um, that's what they'll get to last. I would imagine. That's what they'll get to last. <clears throat> yeah. Um, yeah. They're gonna. They're, we'll get draw to get it back for you, man. <laughs> but that's not our. That's not Sorry, our. Sorry, just got sent to a Macau bank account. It's gone. Yeah. Um. So good negotiator traits. People look for resilience, patience, even temper, passion, empathy, professional knowledge, and self-assurance. And they're looking for people who have as little ego as possible. Yeah. You want to, the first thing they say at, ne- at negotiator training school. <laughs> Check that ego at the door. Check the ego at the door. Leave it here. That's exactly right. Negotiator training school. <laughs> also, yeah, I know. Uh, so when a negotiator first gets to a situation... You go, hi, my name's Michael, and I'm here to help. You don't say anything about like how bad the situation is. You're, you're like here trying to Whew. bring, you're trying to calm things. You really got yourself into a mess with this one, didn't you? <laughs> That's, I, it totally could go there. You'd be like, yeah, what if you were just a horrible tra- negotiator? In order to, can we go back to negotiating training training school? Please. Uh, <laughs> is the is the application you just get into an argument with the guy, and if you win, you're in the, you're in the program. <laughs> you're a good negotiator. Great negotiation. You're in. Well, not if it's an ego thing. If you won't back down on your ego. It's true. Uh, You'd be bad. Um, So a successful uh, situation. Yeah. This, again, 1971. So all these kind of things started. I think the FBI kind of, the FBI screwed this up. They're like, you know what? We might need a department dedicated to these hostage situations. Too many green negotiators. We're not, yeah, we're not very good at this. Yeah. So this guy, D.B. Cooper, he, he took over a plane. He hijacked an airplane. Landed it in Portland, or it was a it was a plane going from Portland to Seattle. Uh, he had a bomb in his briefcase. Okay, uh, so he he hijacked the plane. He's able to to communicate with ground crews. He, he negotiates two hundred grand, which is like one point two million dollars in today's money. Uh, and he has four parachutes uh, from the airline company Northwest Orient. So he lands the plane. They deboard. Gets the money, and he is a pilot. He takes off, and supposedly. He jumps out of the airplane, and no one. They, this is still unsolved. Jumps out of the airplane. It's believed he's died, but it's not a hundred percent sure. Some money has been found in the uh, Columbia River. Okay, uh, but nobody knows where he where he went. And, and they think he and died still, right then. They think he died from the jump. From the jump. Yeah, either the parachute didn't open, which. But it, I would think that you would have found the body. You would think. I think he just threw like 50 bucks See, in the river yeah. and ran off. Uh, did he take a pilot with him to land the plane or that plane crashed somewhere? Uh, no, no, no. They, the, no, I think the plane crashed. Jesus. Or no, maybe I'm wrong about that. I could be totally wrong about that. That would make sense. I'll have to look into that. Um, we'll have a correction next show. Yeah, correction next show. Well, I mean, it's it's a completely un, uh, unknown how 
where the money where the money went or where the guy is yeah. so yeah that's like the, that i that was one I'd, I'd googled to see if it ever worked out you know so that guy that's still like one of that would be like unsolved mysteries number yeah. one yeah there, i think there's some movie about it too okay it's a good movie plot huh um so i already asked you the question do you think you'd be susceptible to stockholm syndrome <laughs> i think you might be uh no i don't think so do you think it would depend on the situation? I, I just I think, think it I, takes, I might be. I was just curious as to how long those those hostages were with the bank robbers in Stockholm because I feel like that's not something you just develop within a you got thirty think, you know four hour yeah you hostage gotta, situation yeah it's like uh, Elizabeth Smart when she got kidnapped or whatever and then I don't know if she actually had Stockholm syndrome but it's it was something weird with her case right like she was only a mile from her house or, or nine miles from her house or right no like yeah, yeah something very short like you walk outside you know where you are yeah you can probably find your way home but like maybe she like kind of. Had, had some kind of situation like that where she was like, yeah, yeah, I don't know. That's pretty embarrassing. You only got taken four miles from home. That's what I'm saying. It was probably a mental thing. I was yeah. probably like, uh, I don't know. I don't know what it was. But. Um, do you have any favorite uh, hostage movies? Because uh, there's so many. And, there, and there's all, or like negotiator movies. Uh, phone Booth. Phone Booth's a good one. Yeah. Phone Booth is great. I, I love because there's so many different um, points of view. Yeah. You know, yeah, yeah. like, do you ever find in those movies you're rooting for the guys who who are the hostages or well, you start, me, the, uh, the the criminals? Yeah, you might sympathize with them a little bit. Yeah. Usually they have a reason for what they're doing. Yeah. Like you got to look at the end of the day and be like, listen, listen, you can't go about it like this, man. Yeah. Who was the, uh, was it, who was the, uh, you know, it was, um, the shooter in that movie. They don't show his it was face. Jack Bauer. As a, yeah, exactly. It, it was. Yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. what I thought. Yeah. yeah. Keeper Sutherland was the voice. Yeah. Keeper Sutherland was right? the voice. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, uh, Colin Farrell. Colin Farrell was in the phone booth. Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was a good movie. I also like how they're short. That yeah. was like a short, it was like an 80 minute movie. Yeah, it was good. It was really good. Uh, like the negotiator I... was really good. Um, inside job or inside, inside man. Was that the one with Clive Owen and, uh, uh, Denzel is the mm. negotiator and Jodie Foster is okay. representing the, I'm not sure they're, they're robbing a bank and there's like another, there's a, a I won't ruin the ending because yeah. it's a good movie. People should watch it. Inside man. Uh, in, uh, <laughs> Grand Theft Auto Online. Okay. And they're like, in the role play that people do uh-huh. on Twitch, they will rob banks and take hostages and take with a- them. And will somebody play a negotiator? Uh, usually just a cop. It's not uh-huh. like a typically uh, a, a, a dedicated separate. person. Right. Uh-huh. Uh, but like because of that, the rules state that they have to give them like safe passage out. Oh. Interesting. And then once they get out, this is just a manhunt. Yeah. Uh, die Hard. Love. Yeah, of course. And in both movies, they, they're hostage. Carl Winslow. Right. Well, anytime there's a ransom, you need a negotiator. Carl Winslow. He was, was he the, no, he was just there. He was just a, he was an well, on-duty cop but, there. Or well, this is where you don't, if, if he's, well, he's actually talking to another cop inside. He's talking to John McClane. Right. He's not actually talking to, to Hans. But like, he's not supposed to be, right? Or was he? Well, the FBI does get mad at him. Yeah. Yeah. I love how in every movie, uh, they always get mad at the, at the, negotiator the right. negotiator's always getting mad at the cops the cops yeah. are always getting mad at the negotiator um there was a good this Samuel is not your Jack- jurisdiction yeah exactly get you, this is not for you we're who's in charge here yeah we are not anymore you're not, not. anymore the fbi's coming in <laughs> uh there was a good samuel jackson movie was that the negotiator i think that's the negotiator he is a negotiator so he knows their tactics and oh, so okay. he's able to keep them better that was die hard too <laughs> <laughs> with a vengeance <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that's what I got on hostage taken hostage negotiation. I thought it was oh taken. Cool. Taken's a good. Uh, oh, taken is very good. There was no negotiation there. No, he, get, he no he did negotiate. He said, "You give me my daughter back, and everything is." And cool. it won't be, yeah, but he's got a very specific set of still, right. skills. Good um, luck. I, I, in, 
there were, there were three parts of a hostage taking where they're the most um, there's the highest risk. Okay. In the first 15 to 45 minutes, because everything's hectic, you don't yeah. know what's going on, and then um, in the handoff of money or ransom, that's another high risk territory. Or you know when the police are about to go in. Right. So it's like that's the three parts that you pretty much have. Kind of interesting. That is, I did not see that topic coming. Right. Wait. What did what made you think about this? Something in Chattanooga you said. I had it in my head that for some reason, <laughs> for some reason, Captain Phillips like left from Chattanooga. Like he lived in Chattanooga, yeah. and then and then I don't know why. Oh, weird. But yeah, he's from Massachusetts. Yeah. I don't know. I could have sworn there was a Chattanooga. So I googled Captain Phillips, Chattanooga, and so he. What the hell and, are you talking about? And Captain about? Phillips did go to deliver like a speech to like the boys. Oh, okay. Uh, Macaulay, uh, Boy or Scouts of oh, yeah, gotcha. the, <laughs> Macaulay, <laughs> Macaulay Boys School. We're bringing in Captain Phillips. Yeah, uh, yeah. Ended with uh, snipers in that one. Yeah, yeah. Navy yeah. Seals, pretty cool. Yeah, um, great. Interesting topics for today. Yeah, kind of depressed <laughs> from that one a little bit. I don't know why. <laughs> I think of it more in like the fun. I don't it, think of yeah. it. This isn't a re- like, these are horrible situations, but they're yeah. either fun in movies. But usually and, they turn out okay. Yeah. That's good. Proof Proof of Life. That's another good movie. Russell Crowe. Proof of Life, Russell Crowe. We need Proof of Life before we give you the money. That's right. Yeah. That's right. Oh, uh, another good one. Uh, <laughs> this will be the last one. Rush Hour. <laughs> yeah, they still they steal the, the consulates. Uh, maybe daughter. we should have a tell me so what young. you know. Uh, maybe we should take a hostage. The more the more. I always loved at UVA there was this this website called SaveToby.com. And Toby was a, a cat or something or a, a dog maybe. And uh, somebody was like, you raised $10,000, otherwise we're going to kill any Toby. No, Toby was a bunny. And every they would oh, post yes. on, they would post recipes for bunny stew and stuff. Right. But it was like for charity. It was like for charity. Right. Like something. Yeah. UVA, those clever, clever kids. Thank you, everybody, for listening. We appreciate it. Like we said, we're going to be changing up the release date. I don't know if that's happening this week or next week. Um, this one's going to release this. Fr- you're going to listen to it. It's going to release when you're listening to it. There you go. I don't know why I always say this. Uh, everybody have a great week, and we will see you next time.